18. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now, before it happens, so, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send, accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Jesus then predicts Peter's denial. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly. I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we want to thank you for Tim and all that he's prepared. We thank you, Lord, and we pray, Father, for that you would inspire him now, that we may hear Jesus speaking through his exposition, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
had the privilege of praying with Alan and with Lynn before the service. And Lynn said that she had a sense that people were coming with a lot of clutter on their minds. And that resonated with me. The, uh, a verse of a hymn that had come to my mind this morning was this. Let's pray it together now. Drop thy still dews of quietness, so all our striving cease. Take from our souls the strain and the stress. And let our ordered lives confess the beauty of your peace. Amen. We come this morning to the second in a new sermon series on the farewell discourse. Jesus sharing a meal with his disciples and preparing them for a new chapter in the coming of his kingdom. And also preparing them for loss. This morning's passage, if I could have the next slide, I would like to talk to you a little bit about bread and betrayal and blessing. And just in those three words, in a sense, we are given a context for betrayal. That God is not taken by surprise by what happens on this Last Supper night. He has prepared it in the past through the symbol of the Passover. And he is going to bless his people in an even more incredible way than the Passover in the past. And the betrayal of Judas, which is a, a deeply disturbing passage, isn't it, to consider together, is in the context of that past and present and future blessing. But before we really get going, I'd like to ask you a question. Next slide, please. Do you um, remember what Helen talked about last week? Do you remember... Um, well, I've given you a clue there in the pictures, and I tried to pick the picture of the filthiest feet I could possibly find on Google Image Search, because that struck me. Did it strike you when Ellen was talking? That we sanitized the picture of washing feet, and actually it was a filthy, degrading task that we are being invited to do to humble ourselves to each other. Do you remember the three words that Helen focused on last week? I'm only asking this because Christiane asked me on the way home from Bristol last Monday, and I've really struggled to remember. She spoke about enjoying the intimacy that Jesus offers to us as his disciples and his friends. She talked about um, living in confidence of the new identity that Jesus bestows upon us. And she talked about walking in, exercising the humility in washing our feet. Do you know, next slide please. Uh, I talked to Barbara Leach the other day. I hope I've spelled her name there right, I don't know. Um, I talked to Barbara Leach a couple of weeks ago because when she was leading a service, she said something like this. I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor what you've read from the Bible this week and what you've prayed about this week. And then perhaps sensing everyone gulping, she said, don't worry, uh, I'm not uh, really going to ask you to do that. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, really, we ought to be doing that. We ought to be encouraging each other in the fundamentals of our faith. We ought not to feel embarrassed, even if we have to say, mm, I haven't actually read anything this week, or I found it really hard to pray this week. 
but we ought to be able to turn and to encourage each other in what we believe, didn't we? So I went up to Barbara last week and said, do you mind if I call this the Barbara Leach Challenge? She said, yep, attach my name to it. That's absolutely fine. Well, I noticed she's not here this week. <laughs> but I hope that, um, that we will take up those challenges and prompt each other to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's teaching us profound things in this farewell discourse, really deep things. And we won't be able to take them in on our own. We won't. We need to have take up the Barbara Leach Challenge or the BLC as it's known in the trade. We need to take it up and encourage each other to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To make every effort to grow in grace. To add to our faith, knowledge and so on and so on. And to grow up in our salvation. All those things were taken from the book of Peter. Peter was at this meal that, where the, the farewell discourse, the farewell conversation took place. And let's make it our aim, shall we, to, to grow alongside Peter who was there. And he's keen to share the blessings of being there with us today as we go through. So let's start with the bread. Next slide, please, Kevin. Um, so uh, it's important to remember that this conversation took place in the context of a meal. But it wasn't just any old meal. It was a very particular and special meal. It was a celebration of the Passover. And the bread that they shared did you pick that up in the reading where it talks about um, he who shares my bread? Yeah, that's an early phrase. The bread that they were sharing was very special bread. It was the bread that commemorated the Passover. And if your memory is a bit hazy about the Passover and what it's all about, check it out. Check it out when you go home. Exodus chapter 12 to 15. Read it through again. You'll be amazed. And, and you'll be excited by what this new meal here that we're studying together now reflects of the Passover meal. I'll put up the bullet points there for you of the main events that the meal is, is celebrating. The Passover itself, the exodus, the consecration of the firstborn, the crossing of the Red Sea, and the triumphant uh, celebration in song led by Moses and Miriam. Both of them together. What was the Passover? It was when a sacrificial lamb, the blood of of the lamb that had been killed was spread on the lintels, on the doorposts of the children of Israel as they left Egypt so that the plague that wiped out all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians did not touch them. It was the blood of the lamb that symbolically protected them. That helps us to understand one of the songs we've just been singing about the lion and the lamb. 
But the Passover was also a sense of a new beginning and a new community and a new identity. So at the evening of the Passover led into the Exodus, where they got up and go and went. And there was a sense of urgency of going out in the desert to worship. And there was a sense of consecration and commitment that they were working together and worshipping together. And then they went through and that separation was sealed as they crossed the Red Sea. And the Red Sea closed in on the Egyptians. And they went through the waters and came out freed, saved on the other side. And at that moment, there was a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud that appeared and accompanied them for the rest of their time in the desert. No wonder they celebrated and sang together three S's. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And that... That is what they're celebrating together, Jesus and the disciples. All of that is in, inherent in the bread that they share. So it's really, really important. Companionship is more than just Jesus inviting his friends together. Do you know what that word companionship actually means? It's with, com, that's a Latin word for with, pan, bread, ianship. Companionship is the people we share bread with. How that should alter the way we come to communion. We are one people because we share one bread. Do you sometimes share bread in a significant way in your homes? I found that with our, our, our greatest friends, sometimes we can just tear a piece of bread and hand it to each other and without saying anything, there's a great understanding of the, of the history that we share, the belonging that we have together. And this is what Jesus was, um, was sharing with his disciples in the past history. But it's better than that. It's even better than that because Jesus knows that he is about to enter into a series of events that will lead to his death as a sacrificial lamb that will redefine and reimagine and recalibrate this event that they're celebrating forever. No wonder Jesus says in Luke's gospel, with desire, I have desired to share this meal with you. Because he knows it's more than just an ordinary Passover celebration. He knows that shift is going to happen. Shift in God's covenant dealings with his people from the dawn of time, from thousand years before where he had brought them out of Egypt, this is now going to be developed into a new covenant in his blood. That's the context for betrayal. Isn't that amazing? That when we share bread, we are membering 
all that. Next slide, please. And that's what makes the betrayal even worse, doesn't it? Even more scandalous. It is one who shares my bread who is going to betray me. No wonder Jesus was troubled in his spirit. We don't often read that, do we, about Jesus in Gethsemane? And here, one who shares my bread, who has been with me, who's been my companion. But brothers and sisters, as we consider this, when we consider sometimes what happens in the life of the church, sometimes we in the church are guilty as people who share one bread of betraying each other and betraying God. But do you notice what Jesus does as, um, as he confronts these troubling thoughts in his mind? He actually... Do you know when he says, he says to John, the one I give the bread to is the one who is going to betray me? He wasn't setting up a, si a secret symbol with, with John. He wasn't going, it's going to be this one, watch what I'm going to do. It's this one. He wasn't doing that at all. He was actually teaching them about who he is. Who he is. Because he was quoting from a psalm written by David... Psalm 41. Don't look at it now, but go back at home, his second homework. Exodus 12 to 15, Psalm 41. It's the last of the first book of Psalms. And it talks about this very idea that the one who shares my bread is the one who betrays me. And the, the, the Jewish people had understood that their Messiah coming was going to be great David, their great king, the one who established their kingdom, the Messiah who was going to come was going to be great David's greater son. So Jesus is saying to them, look, this is what David wrote about himself. I am now fulfilling that in your presence. I am that person. I am the Messiah. I am great David's greater son. Now, we're not used to understanding things in that way, perhaps. But Jesus is, just as he did to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, homework number three, read Luke chapter 24, and he opens the Bible to them and says, look, look back, look at all this stuff, look at the stuff in the Psalms. This is talking about me. I am the Messiah. And so even as he is handing that bread to Judas, he is reassuring his people and saying, I am great David's greater son. Yes, there is a powerful enemy at work in the heart of Judas. But there is an even more powerful God behind the scenes saying, whatever you think you're doing, Judas, actually, this is happening that all scriptures might be fulfilled and that I can usher in the new covenant 
in my blood. Did you notice there are actually two betrayals in this passage? We tend to think, don't we, of the word betrayal with, the word, with Judas. But actually, Jesus talks about Peter betraying him too. We just tend to use a different word, denial with Peter. But actually, that's a real betrayal, isn't it? To say, I didn't even know him. I'm a bit of a spoiler alert here. There are two outcomes. Judas went on to death. Peter, who did betray Jesus that very night, Peter is later forgiven and grace and mercy is extended to him in an amazing way. So much so that Peter becomes the rock. So I suppose the challenge of two possible outcomes, we all make, we all fail, don't we? We all betray Christ day to day, perhaps in small ways. Are we going to be those who come for mercy and forgiveness that Jesus offers? Here's an even greater challenge. Are we going to be amongst those who offer grace and mercy to others? Are we going to be the ones that make shift happen by restoring relationships, by extending forgiveness, by sending that quick text that actually restores a right relationship, that says sorry, Blessing is to come in my next slide, please. Um, three things to say here. Did you notice that Jesus, as soon as Judas goes out, says, now the time has come. And it'd be easy to think that he's just saying that, saying, phew, he's gone now, we're all right. But I don't think it is that. I think it is the fact that Judas has gone out to set in motion the events that lead to Jesus' crucifixion and beyond to the resurrection. Seal in Jesus' mind the fact that the new covenant in his blood, the new deal for us, is on its way. That's where the true glory lies. Your son is going to be glorified, Father. Glorify your Son. And how is Jesus most glorified? It is in laying down his life. The time has come. I am going to be glorified. But it isn't in a way that we would expect, nor the disciples expecting. It is in laying down his life. You know, I've been struck by the, the links with Exodus. Can I just very quickly, have I got time for this, just very quickly tell you that after the Exodus, you get the book of Leviticus, where they set up all the systems of how the, the Jewish people could be given forgiveness for their sins. And one of the ways they did that was through the Day of Atonement, 
Yep, uh, beginning of Leviticus, read it up. It's handwritten number four now. Only the keenest will do all of these. But at the beginning of Leviticus, you get it described how, how atonement could be made. And it was a really, really serious thing. Um, it involved Aaron killing a bull and um, spreading the blood. And, and then there was a lamb that had to be killed. And then there were two goats chosen. And then they cast lots over the goats. One of them was sacrificed there and then. And the other was symbolically taken out into the wilderness. And all the sins of the people were symbolically laid on this goat who became a scapegoat. And that scapegoat was sent right out into the wilderness and left there to take away the sins out of the community. Got all that? It's a really complicated arrangement. It happened once a year. And it, it was so holy that the high priest had to do it, and he did it behind a curtain. He only went in behind the curtain to do all the dealings of, the, of that Day of Atonement once a year. And Jesus is becoming that lamb and that taking on their actions of that high priest behind the curtain. And then that's why at the end of the crucifixion the, the temple curtain is ripped from top to bottom. We don't need this anymore. What was done annually and ceremonially and symbolically is now done and accomplished and achieved by Jesus Christ for us. That's where the real blessing is. You know, Judas reminds us that we need to take sin seriously. That we need to take our own church motto seriously. It's not just about running a race. It's about throwing off everything that uh, holds us back and the sin that so easily entangles us. Not taking sin too lightly but recognizing that Jesus has achieved once and for all that day of atonement sacrifice. That's where the blessing is. Do you know, Paul is struggling with trying to get a response to that in, in the book of Romans. And he says, therefore, in view of God's great mercy, what should be our response? In view of this huge mercy that we receive, what's the response to that? And he says, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Wow, that's a Barbara Leach challenge if ever there was one. Present ourselves. We don't need the blood of bulls and goats and lambs anymore because of Jesus. But we need to present ourselves as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable in this new covenant that Jesus, full of desire to share it with his disciples over this meal, is beginning to usher in this very day, night. New covenant, new command. What's the command? That we love each other. And that's a BLC um, amplified up a million times, isn't it? Loving each other. 
how do we love each other? How do we forgive each other? How do we move on in this time where we, we haven't even got uh, a rector to guide us? See the parallels? How do we do it? Well, Helen told us last week, didn't she? That's how Jesus expressed the full extent of his love by washing each other's feet. Not literally, necessarily. Our feet are probably quite clean. I've got some nice new socks. But, but washing each other's feet in humility and an expression of the full extent of love. I think I'm more or less at an end. But what I've done in my next slide is to perhaps sum up some of the challenges that I've mentioned in passing as we've gone along. The Barbara Leach, have we read and prayed about? What have we read and prayed about? Do we break bread together in a way that is just not just a ceremony, but is a real expression of a new identity as a community together with a spirit of unity and a spirit of commitment and consecration and purpose? Do we learn and grow during the dark hours? Are we prepared to extend grace and forgiveness to each other? Or perhaps even harder to receive it from each other. Do we take sin seriously? Are we prepared to present ourselves as living sacrifices and love one another? Next slide, please. Those are the challenges we face. But here is a summary of the blessings we face. Just chosen two words. I wonder whether you noticed them right at the beginning. Shift happens. I think probably the last time I spoke to you in this way, I spoke about crossing the threshold, and we were talking about we we don't ever cross the threshold, but actually we do, and we can cross a threshold. Shift happens. God's purposes are worked out. God did usher in a new covenant in Jesus' blood. The covenant of the Passover was amazing. It was strength and song and salvation to the people of God. But on this Thursday evening, something even greater was ushering in. And so the, the, the true blessing is that we do cross that threshold. That we're not condemned always to wait in the shadows. But there is something more marvelous, that we can live in part now, and we will live in fullness when Jesus comes again. There's a, a, a bit from a... a, a an oratorio that I really love. And now the threshold, as we traverse it, utters a loud, resounding chant. Praise to the holiest in the height, and in the depths be praise, in all his works, most wonderful, most sure, 
in all his ways. And that's the sound we hear as we do cross the threshold and enter in to the blood and the bread of the new covenant in Jesus. One more slide. At the very end of the service, we're going to sing this hymn. And I asked if we could sing this because I think there's lots in there that we might not notice. We need God to guide us at this time, don't we? But he is the one whose purposes are being worked out from the very beginning of time right to the end of time. And the one who provided manna in the desert, the one who provided the Passover bread, is the one who feeds us as the bread of heaven. What about when we betray Christ? Look at the second verse. When we betray him, open the crystal fountain or the... Open up that fountain that cleanses us whence the healing stream flows. And then back to the Exodus symbolism again. Let the cloudy, fiery pillar lead me all my journey through. You are the strong deliverer. Be thou still my strength and shield. And then we look forward. We look forward to the time when we will offer eternal praises. And we, we join in that spirit right now. Because, this is the hardest line in the, the hymn to understand, Jesus is the death of death and hell's destruction. Because of what happened from that Thursday evening through to Good Friday, death is ultimately destroyed. Death of death and hell's destruction Land me safe on Canaan's side. And then I hope that we will be in great voice to sing songs of praises, songs of praises to the Lamb that was slain. We uh, prayed before we started, didn't we, that the clutter would be removed from our hearts and we would uh, 